Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Hannah prayed, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is lifted up by the Lord. My mouth boasts over my enemies, because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. And there is no rock like our God. Do not boast so proudly, or let arrogant words come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and actions are weighed by him. The bows of the warriors are broken, but the feeble are clothed with strength. Those who are full hire themselves out for food, but those who are starving hunger no more. The woman who is childless gives birth to seven, but the woman with many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and gives life. He sends some down to Sheol, and he raises others up. The Lord brings poverty and gives wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the trash heap. He seats them with noblemen and gives them a throne of honor. For the foundations of the Lord are the earth's. He has set the world on them. He guards the steps of his faithful ones, but the wicked perish in darkness. For a person does not prevail by his own strength. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He will thunder in the heavens against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give power to his king. He will lift up the horn of his anointed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Lindsay. Appreciate that. Uh, We are trying to get more people uh, in our services, so doing scripture readings, doing other things, especially while we're dispersed, it's so good to be able to see other people's faces. Today, we do want to talk about 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Oftentimes, this is called Hannah's song, uh, but the text actually doesn't call it a song. It actually calls it her prayer. And even though we are in 1 Samuel chapter 2, this is actually the, the second prayer that we have in this book of 1 Samuel. So today we want to talk about how God hears our prayer. Neil shared with me a revision of what's called the Baptist Catechism. It's, it was written off of the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. It's a great, it's a great catechism. And in this revision of that catechism, one of the questions says, what is prayer? And originally Charles Spurgeon penned this, but he said that prayer is an offering up of our desires to God for things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercy. So what is prayer? Prayer is an offering up of our desires to God for things that are agreeable to his will. So in chapter one, we see Hannah pouring out her prayer uh, for a child, and this was agreeable with God's will, and so God answered that prayer. And then in chapter 2, we have this, this prayer of praise that Hannah offers to God. And I think it's very interesting that whenever we read somebody's prayer in the Bible or whenever we pray ourselves, our doctrine is seen in our prayer, how we reference God, how we speak of God, how we, we talk about the things that we're longing for and wanting. All this says something about what we believe about God. So what we want to do in this passage in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1, 
is we want to see what did Hannah believe about God. And this is seen in her prayer. And I believe that when we pray, we ought to have these same truths about God in our prayer. So let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, we truly believe that our hope is in you, that our confidence is in you. And Lord, right now, as we open up your text and we begin to teach it and proclaim it, Lord, I I pray that these words are true. I pray, Lord, that they speak to our heart, that they show us our sin, that we can confess it and leave it, Lord, because we want to, we want to follow you. Father, right now, we also pray for our community. Uh, We pray for our, our, our government officials as they are trying to figure out and use wisdom on how to Uh, approach this pandemic we're in. We pray for uh, teachers who are, uh, many of them are are getting tired because they're doing so much online tutoring. We pray for uh, our medical professionals who who are on the front lines, uh, uh, helping people who are sick, but also who are testing people to see if they are sick. Father, we pray for our first responders who are also right there in the front lines of, of helping people. Lord, help us also to be a help to people in our community. May we love the people uh, on either side of our houses and across the street and across town. May we show them the love of Christ during this season. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. One of the first things I think we see in Hannah's prayer comes from verse 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2 says this, Hannah prayed, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is lifted up by God. My mouth boasts over my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is none beside you, and there is no rock like our God. The first thing we see in Hannah's prayer is that Hannah's strength comes from God. Where we put our confidence in says a lot about what we think of God. And here she says that God is her strength. Listen to the different words that she uses. She says, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is lifted up by the Lord. This idea of horn, it's, a, it's kind of unfamiliar to us, but it was, an, it was a common way in the ancient world of saying strength that the Lord is her strength. When you think about uh, a bull that you might drive down across when you're driving down 195 and there's a, there's a large bull out there and he has these massive horns. Sometimes in Texas you'll see these, these long horns. And oftentimes throughout the history of the world, uh, the horn of an animal represented its strength. That's why whenever people go deer hunting and they're looking to shoot a buck, they don't want a little spike. They want one with, with lots of antlers, with lots of points on it, because it's, it's more powerful. It's a, it's a larger prize. So Hannah is saying that the Lord lifted up her horn, that the Lord was her strength. So much so that she said that her mouth boasted over her enemies there in verse 1. So people in chapter 1, what Hannah, was happening to Hannah was people were essentially saying that Hannah was unloved by God. People were saying that Hannah was cursed by God, that Hannah had done something wrong in her life and that God was punishing her 
by not giving her a child. And when she prayed for a child and the Lord answered her with, with, with a, the, the boy Samuel, it basically silenced the other people who were, who were criticizing her. So that she was basically saying, I didn't do this of my own power. I didn't do this of my own will, but these things happened to me in my life because God gave them to me. But I also want you to notice something very clearly in this whole prayer of, of Hannah's, that Hannah, Hannah's prayer of praise here in chapter 2, it's not about the gift. She does not mention her son. She doesn't really mention having a baby here at all. But, but her praise is all about God's salvation. Her praise of chapter 2 is about how God is enough for her. C.J. Mahaney in his book called Humility says that, that we need to focus on, on salvation and not suffering. So Hannah, whenever she was suffering without, without a child, she focused on God. She focused on salvation rather than suffering. And that's what allowed her to walk in freedom after she prayed in chapter 1. And when it comes to chapter 2, we see this is true because her prayer, once again, focused more on the salvation of God rather than on the suffering. I'm always quoting Charles Spurgeon because he had such a way with words. But he has this beautiful quote where he said, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. Hannah was suffering. She was in pain. And she looked to God as her salvation. And she didn't look for the gift of a child as her salvation. She is saying that the Lord is her strength. When we get to verse 2, she begins to describe the Lord who is her strength. She says that there is no one holy like the Lord. She says there is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. So what do these words mean whenever she is describing her God and how, how her strength comes from God? She describes it with these three words, and they're all related, which in the Hebrew means that a uh, that she's really emphasizing this. It's a way of emphasizing things when, when Hebrew repeats things. But she says that God is holy, that God is complete perfection in his attributes. So if God's attribute is that of power, he is completely powerful. If God's attribute is goodness, he is complete in his goodness. If God's attribute is love, he is complete in his love. She said, my God is, is holy, and then she kind of repeats that and saying that there is no one like you. There is no one beside you. Kind of goes back to the idea that God is one, how there are no other gods. In our lessons on the faith, we're starting to go through the Ten Commandments. And that first commandment says that there is no other God beside God, that we are to worship him only. And so, so Hannah is saying that her strength comes from God that the Lord will raise up her horn, her strength, and that he is holy and that there is none beside him. And then she describes God as her rock. This idea of a rock is much like this idea of the horn, that a rock was a picture of strength. Uh, I, I grew up in Florence where, where there was no topsoil. Uh, and, and growing up in the country, one of the things we oftentimes did is we had to build fences all the time. 
which entailed digging into the ground in order to put the post in the ground. And it was always the hardest thing to do because after about three inches of soil, it was solid rock after that. And so we would have to, to, to get, dig one post hole. It took forever because we were always having to, to drive a piece of iron against that rock. And it was exhausting because rock is strong. There's strength in it. This is what it says in the book of Psalms, chapter 18, verses 30 through 34. God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is pure. He is a shield who all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? You can kind of see this, this idea of Hannah's prayer being seen in Psalm 18. There is no one besides the Lord. And who is a rock? Only our God. God, he clothes me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me securely on the heights. He trains my hands for war. My arms can bend a a bow of bronze. Hannah's prayer is proclaiming that her strength comes from God. What do your prayers say about God? Do your prayers point to the fact that our God is strong and that he is what strengthens you? Or do you approach God in a different way? I think oftentimes we we approach God like a genie. My kids just watched Aladdin for the first time a little while ago, and they just watched the live-action version of Aladdin. And, And it's that story of where you rub the lamp, and the genie comes out, and he says, All right, you rub the lamp, you make a wish, I fulfill your wish. Oftentimes, the way that we approach God is, is like a genie, where we think, all right, I've done what I need to do. I've rubbed the lamp. I've said the magic words. Where's my gift? And we approach God not as, as our salvation, as one who gives us strength, but we approach Him like, like a genie. Oftentimes, I feel like what we do in our prayers is, is we are praying for our own desires. It's, 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 it's like we're throwing our desires for God like a genie. Uh, like spaghetti on a wall, trying to find out what will stick, what we can get from God. Or in our prayers, do we speak of God as our strength and our hope? When we speak to God in our prayers, is it evident that our trust is in Him to do great things? Do your prayers revolve around only your desires? Or do your prayers revolve around his kingdom? If you remember at the beginning of the introduction, we talked about that, that definition of prayer. That prayer is an offering up of our desires for things that are agreeable to his will. The Lord's model prayer in Matthew chapter 6 said, Your kingdom come, your will be done. Whenever we are praying for, for God's kingdom, we're praying for God's movement in our world and not just for the desires that we think that will make us happy. God is our strength. I think the next thing we see in verses 3 through 8 is that our confidence is also in God, that our strength comes from God in verses 1 and 2, and then verses 3 through 8, that our confidence is in God. Let's, Let's read those again. Hannah prays, Do not boast so proudly, Or let arrogant words come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge. 
and actions are weighed by him. This is the prayer we prayed in our our time of confession. Verse 4, the bows of the warriors are broken, but the feeble are clothed with strength. Those who are full hire themselves out for food, but those who are starving hunger no more. The woman who is childless gives birth to seven, but the woman with many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and gives life. He sends some down to Sheol and rises others up. The Lord brings poverty and gives wealth. He humbles and exalts. He raises the poor up from the dust and lifts the needy from the trash heap. He sets them with noblemen and gives them a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world on them. Our confidence comes from God. She talks about there in verse 3, and she prays in verse 3, Do not boast so proudly, or let arrogant words come out of your mouth. One of the things that I see in, in my own heart and my own life, and one of the things that I see in, in so many people is a common human condition, is that we have a certain amount of arrogance. We have a certain amount of, of pride in our own lives. And I see this oftentimes in the way that, that we protect ourselves. We defend our pride by hiding behind these walls of self-confidence, and we boast because it, it, it hides our weakness, it hides our insufficiencies. And we do everything we can to promote this picture of ourselves that, that we have it together. We talked about this last week. We, we oftentimes might bleed confidence and we feign vulnerability. And we get defensive oftentimes at the smallest critiques. What we are doing is we are putting our confidence and we are putting our hope in our own selves. And when we approach prayer, oftentimes what we are praying for are things that we can accomplish in our own strength, things that we can accomplish with our own abilities and our own talents. Why? Because to ask for something greater means that we have to show that we are weak. David Platt, in a sermon he recently preached, said, oftentimes we think that our greatest asset is our strength, that our greatest asset is our confidence. But he says that our actual greatest asset is our weakness. Our greatest, our greatest uh, asset is the fact that we can't do things. We see this in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul says this, Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger from Satan to torment me, so that I would not exalt myself. Paul says, concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that, I, that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weakness and in insults and hardships and persecutions and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I 
am strong. When we put our confidence in things other than Christ, what we are doing is we are setting ourselves up for failure. We just finished the book of James not too long ago, and he says in the book of James that, that the humble will be exalted, but those who are pride, that the Lord is going to oppose them. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. We see this in verses 4, 5, and in, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, where he said, The bows of the warriors are broken. They had their confidence in their weapons. They had their confidence in their strength. But the, but the Lord broke their bows. But those who are feeble, those who are frail, are clothed with strength. He says, those who are full, those who are content in their bellies, that they have to hire themselves out for food. But those who are starving, hunger no more. She then goes on uh, talking a little bit more about herself, maybe. We don't know. But she says, the woman who is childless gives birth to seven, but the woman with many sons pines away. In each of these instances, the people are putting their hope, they're putting their confidence in their own abilities, in their own strength. But what we saw in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 was Paul saying to do this is wrong. That we don't put our hope in our own strength, in our own confidence in ourselves, but our confidence must be placed in God. One of the ways that I want us to apply this and one of the ways that I want us to think about this is to ask the question, how is pride visible in my own life? How is, is my own confidence being placed in my, in my own abilities? And one of the things I encourage you to do, brothers and sisters, is whenever you are in your DGs or when you're talking with a brother or sister in Christ, ask that other person can you see pride in my life? Can you see me putting my confidence in myself? Am I defensive uh, at the smallest critiques? But ask somebody these questions so that it can be revealed to you. Because going back to that James passage where God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Brothers and sisters, we don't want God opposing us. So let us seek out pride in our old lives so that we can so that we can defeat it so that we can put it away and let us rejoice in our weakness because it's in our weakness that Christ's power can be seen it's in our inability that the power of Christ is made manifest so what we do, essentially, whenever we hide our weakness and we, we act like our weakness isn't there and we act like we have it all together, you know what we're doing? We're essentially saying, I don't want the power of Christ to be seen. I don't want to see God work in this area. So let's confess our pride that our confidence is in ourselves and not in God. Why? so that we can see the power of God work in our community and in our life. The third thing we see in Hannah's prayer is that God is for his people and God is for his kingdom. Let's look at these verses again. 
1 Samuel chapter 2, he guards the steps of his faith, but the wicked perish in darkness. For a person does not prevail by his own strength. There's that theme again. We don't prevail by our own strength. For those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He will thunder in the heavens against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth and he will give power to his king. He will lift up the horn of his anointed. So what we have here is in verse 9 that he guards the steps of his faithful one. This is telling us that God is for his people. The next thing we see in verse 10 is that he gives power to his king. And listen to what says there at the end of verse 10. He will give power to his king. He will lift up the horn of his anointed. There's that idea of the horn again. It's that power of strength. But also, the horn was oftentimes used to carry oil that would anoint the king, which is kind of what it's referencing there in verse 10. I personally think that this is a reference to Christ, that he is exalting Christ. He's anointing Christ as the king of the kingdom. So we see this truth that God is for his people and he is for his king, His kingdom. We talked about what is prayer in the introduction. We've referenced it throughout the, the sermon. But prayer is the offering up our desires to God for things that are agreeable to God's will. We looked at Matthew chapter 6 of, of Jesus' model prayer where he said, Your kingdom come and your will be done. So I want us to think about this prayer and what it actually means for us and how we should be praying. I really believe that this passage is saying that God is for his people and he is for his kingdom. And when those two things are coinciding, so what does that mean? I think what it means is that God is happy to give you the things that are needed for his kingdom. Oftentimes we get this picture that, that, that God is like Scrooge McDuck, right? And, and, and the Charles Dickens version in Disney, Scrooge McDuck, he, he had his table full of money and he hoarded the wealth. He hoarded the wealth. But that's not who God is. I, I, I heard of a beautiful picture of, of what I think God is like. I think God is like the ladies at Harker Heights Elementary that pass out lunches. Uh, we, we've, been, we've been enjoying this, this benefit that Clean ISD is doing, where if you have school-aged children, that you can go to a school and they will give you a breakfast and lunch uh, to feed your kids. And so we've been doing that. And, and, and my wife and my mother-in-law have been picking those lunches up for the kids. And they come back and they talk about these ladies at Harker Heights Elementary, where they see you driving up and they're happy to see you. They got a smile on their face. They're waving you forward. And they happily give you all the food that you need to feed your kids. And that even if your kids aren't in the car, they'll, they'll happily give that to you. Why? Because they have this surplus of food sitting on their tables and they want to give it away because they don't give it away. It's just going to go to waste. So they want to give it away. They want to feed these kids because they love them and they're happy to do it. Whenever we think of God and how he wants to give gifts to his kids and to his children, that's the picture we want to have that God is happy to give away all he has for his children, for their benefit, and for the kingdom 
of God. Last week we looked at this verse in Romans chapter 8. This, this is what it says. What are we to say then about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? And look at this next verse. He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? That passage there, I love it. And I was reading a a book by A.W. Pink this week uh, called Comfort for Christians. And he was talking about this verse about how when we go to God in prayer, we need to ask for things boldly, especially things in regards to his kingdom. Why? Because he said, man, if, if God, the creator of heaven and earth, gave his own son for us, how much more will he give us anything we need to accomplish his work? And he used this illustration. A.W. Pink used this illustration that stuck with me all week. He said, if you had a friend who had this priceless piece of art and you were at his house and he says, I want to give you this priceless piece of art. If you then turn around and said, thank you so much, do you have some paper and some string I can tie around it to protect it on my way home? If he just gave you something priceless, certainly without grudge, without, without holding back, will he give you the paper and the string to tie around the, the painting to protect it? If God has given us his son, how much more will he give us anything we need, anything we ask for, for his kingdom? that coincides with his will. Christ Community Church, what I'm asking you today is I'm going to ask you today to start praying big prayers for the kingdom of God. Pray big prayers for the kingdom of God, for our church, for this community. Pray for people to come to know Jesus. Oftentimes I think that we're even a afraid to pray that, but pray for for many people to come to know Jesus. Pray that he would use us to accomplish that. Pray that God would equip us to do his work. Pray big prayers that we would see a movement of God in our community. Pray big prayers that that he would bring about our our church house being built uh, and that he would do it in ways that would blow our mind. And pray big prayers for the kingdom of God. Because this God that we're asking these things for, he didn't even hold back his own son for us, but gave him to us. Hannah prayed this prayer to God. It's a prayer of praise. And in this prayer, she talks about how her strength is from God. Her confidence is in God and how God is for his people and for his kingdom. Christ Community Church, I pray that this is also true of your prayers. Let's pray.